A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Eliah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, but becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Eliah. But he did not know what he was saying. While he was still speaking, a cloud came and cast a shadow over them, and they became frightened when they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my chosen son. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. As the Lenten journey continues, we find ourselves traversing a new landscape as we move out of the wilderness to climb the sacred mountain. When the Israelites began their journey in the wilderness, Moses went up the mountain to receive the covenant. A cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had been talking with the Lord. The Gospel text doesn't tell us whether Jesus was aware that his face had changed. Maybe only Peter, John, and James noticed his face was radiant. They had been following Jesus since he called them at the Sea of Galilee, but now he was setting his face toward Jerusalem. He had told them this just before they went up the mountain. They thought they knew him. But as every parent knows, you watch your children carefully, and then one day they surprise you. You still recognize them, but your knowledge of them is insufficient. You have to start listening to them all over again. To gaze into the face of another is to gaze into the depth and entirety of their life. The face always reveals who you are and what life has done to you. Yet it is difficult for you to see the shape of your own life. Your life is too near you. Others can decipher much of your mystery from your face. In this mutual gazing, we realize that humanity and divinity are really two sides of the same coin. Humanity is meant to become, by grace, what divinity is by nature. Jesus gazes at us 
so that we might see and love in ourselves what God sees and loves in us. We too are meant to shine with the radiance of divine light. From the cloud came a voice, This is my chosen Son. Listen to him. God will no longer be speaking from on high, but speaking through his Son, who stands among us. Meister Eckhart insists, It is a lie. Any talk of God that does not comfort you. Moses and Eliah were conversing with Jesus. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his exodus, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Notice that glory and exodus are in the same sentence. If our tendency is to keep heaven and earth separate, how much more will we struggle to believe that God's glory is shown in suffering. Suffering finds us all, but suffering either softens our hearts or hardens our souls. Parker Palmer offers two images of the broken heart. The heart can be broken into a thousand shards like shrapnel aimed at the source of our pain. We try without success to pick up the pieces Here the broken heart is an unresolved wound that we carry with us, sometimes trying to resolve it by inflicting the same wound on others. But there's another way to visualize what a broken heart might mean. Imagine that small clenched fist of a heart broken open into largeness of life, into greater capacity to hold one's own and the world's pain and joy. We know that heartbreak can become a source of compassion and grace because we've seen it happen with our own eyes as people enlarge their capacity for empathy and their ability to attend to the suffering of others. Just this week we were heartened by the picture of the empty baby strollers at the Polish border. They were left there by the mothers of Poland for the women who were fleeing the war in Ukraine without their husbands, carrying their babies in their arms. We want a God who will take away suffering, but the God we get is the God who embraces all of our pain and helps us bear up under suffering. On the cross, Jesus praised God into the place that seems God-forsaken. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus is praying God into the place where it seems God is absent. The resurrected Jesus will tell the disciples on the road to Emmaus, was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? The path to glory is through suffering and the cross. As James Baldwin observed, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. On Ash Wednesday, I quoted Parker Palmer, who points out that on the cross, God's heart is broken for the sake of humankind. The crossbeams stretch out four ways, pulling against each other, left and right, up 
and down. But those arms converge in a center at a heart that can be opened so fully it can hold everything from despair to ecstasy. And that, of course, is how Jesus held his excruciating experience as an opening into the heart of God. The late Irish poet and mystic John O'Donohue captures the art of the spiritual journey of transfiguration. He writes, We are always on a journey from darkness into light. At first, we are children of the darkness. Your body and your face were formed first in the kind darkness of your mother's womb. Your birth was a first journey from darkness into light. Each day is a journey. We come out of the night into the day. All creativity awakens at this primal threshold where light and darkness test and bless each other.